You're listening to the School of Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Roger Osorio. I'm the author of The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passion, and Purpose. I'm also the founder of The School of Reinvention, a community-based coaching platform where we help people define success on their terms and reinvent themselves to make it happen. I believe that as the years pass, our values, passions, and purpose evolve, and we must reinvent ourselves in order to stay aligned with who we really are and what matters to us. This podcast is all about exploring different journeys to reinvention so that you can learn the strategies for how to successfully launch your next reinvention. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the School of Reinvention podcast. I am your host, Roger Osorio. I'm a coach and the author of the book, The Journey to Reinvention, How to Build a Life Aligned with Your Values, Passions, and Purpose. I'm really excited to be here with Dr. Stacy Gonzalez, who is a teacher, writer, coach, and consultant. For two decades, Stacy served as an award-winning executive leader in some of the largest school districts in Illinois. Now, Stacy is the founder of SG Creative Connections, where she supports leaders and shows them how to better leverage their executive expertise. Beyond Stacy's professional achievements, she possesses a remarkable ability to uncover hidden talents in others and guide them towards fulfilling their potential. With a visionary mindset, she combines strategic and operational processes to help individuals and groups work in a deeper alignment and flow. Her expertise extends beyond coaching. She also offers valuable insights as a consultant, assisting organizations in achieving exponential growth, both individually and collectively. Stacy and I met several years ago when she was in working for a school district and invited me to join a panel for students. Uh, I think it was on careers. Do you remember what that event was? I do. That event was probably the beginning of the end for me, okay. frankly. And so it was a virtual career fair for about 10,000 students. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was a massive event. And I, I distinctly remember, you know, I don't remember too many things, but I remember that I thought, this is really well organized. Like the platform you guys used, everything, and it was massive. There were just so many people that were a part of it. And there was a lot of professionals and then just a lot of students logging in throughout different times, if I remember correctly. Yeah, all day. It was an all day event. And that really is where, quote unquote, this reinvention started, if you will. Because I had this desire to show kids, I was in charge of three large comprehensive high schools in Illinois, and I had this desire to show kids that their life after high school was not a straight line. And I, I really just felt like the pandemic had given us this opportunity to connect virtually, where in the past, the career fairs were, as you might imagine, in the school gyms with like the same types of local businesses and people coming every year. Yeah. Right? And so this was a real opportunity. And I I kind of, I just sold it. I sold it to my cabinet team. I sold it to the board. I mean, you know, because to do something different in the public education system that shuts down the entire school district for a day was no small feat. Yeah. I just had this burning desire to really show kids that they are not as limited as they think they are, this whole college for all or however, you know, things are shifting now, right? And so I wanted to find people who had these nonlinear career paths, but yet had found who they were through these series of kind of meandering, right? Mm -hmm. And so you were one of those people that I reached out to. I think we had 
Um, and I sourced everyone on LinkedIn. I used my LinkedIn network, my networking skills. I didn't even know I had networking skills. I was an educator. You don't need networking skills when you're an educator, really. And so I sourced, you know, I just asked people, would you volunteer an hour of your time? It looks like you've had an interesting career journey. I wanted kids to also see themselves. You know, the majority of teachers in our community were white. The majority of kids were not and, and, and businesses. And so I needed kids to see themselves represented. And so I found, I mean, I found a, a um, Arabic woman who worked at NASA, like, I mean, just things that I thought this is a black gentleman who worked for the Department of Defense, right? Like it was just so cool. And um, so we brought that together and that's that's how you and I met. And what I hope to do for the kids, it also did for me yeah. because it showed me it was time to stop thinking in a straight line. I had built my first career in education 20 years in a straight line. And so it was time to start exploring other things. Wow, that's yeah, now now you're bringing all the memories back and you're right. Like it, I, it was, that's what your outreach to me was all about these pivots and twists and turns. And you just want to show people that there is no straight line career at the end of the day. And of course that you caught my attention right away and we didn't know each other. You're right. Like you were just cold emailing people on LinkedIn or DMing them. And, or I think it was even in the comments that you might've even reached out to me. And I thought, this sounds really cool. This is my kind of career fair because often I feel like I don't, fit really well into a career fair because I assume they want to hear, oh, from that doctor who's been a doctor for the last 20 years or that, you know, banker who's been a banker for the last 20 years, someone who's been in that nice steady role, working their way up, so on and so forth. And here you were saying, no, I want people to see that, like, you can make all these crazy twists and turns. And I'm like, I've made crazy twists and turns. So it was just a really cool experience. And you're right. You were able to take this to a whole nother level. I mean, I think that that's one of the things the pandemic did so well. I mean, obviously it was a challenging time, but you know, there were many good things that came out of it as well. And one of them was reinventing a lot of things that we thought had to be done a certain way. And then because of that, I think you were able to upgrade the experience like significantly, exponentially. Because to your point, normally it would have been held at the local high school gym. You wouldn't be able to fly me in because there'd be no budget to fly people in from NASA, Department of Defense, you know, and all these different places. And so you had to just go with what was local. And now you're like, I get to tap into the entire world. Anybody who could log on from this time to that time and boom, they're in. And that is a really cool way of like reimagining an experience like that. But what I love about this story is that in the process, there you are listening in on all of the speakers and you're like, wait a minute, my career doesn't have to be a straight line either. So tell us more about that. Like just how that started to unfold and maybe even like the, the weeks and months after the thoughts, the ideas that started to, you know, kind of go through your mind as you're starting to develop this idea. Yeah, that career, that virtual career fair, like I said, it required an inordinate amount of perseverance on my behalf because I needed every staff member on board. So, right, I, I kind of sat, I sat on this executive cabinet level team but above that, if you remember, there's the superintendent, the board of education, the parents, and then all the teachers and staff, right? Kids will go with you anywhere. But moving that, those pieces, that was the real work. And I was really proud, really proud of that work. But it literally showed me how unwilling people are to really move. Because after that, right, like 
those types of successes just give me more momentum to now we've proven this model works. Let's go. And people were like, oh, good. That's over. We're done. We don't have to do that again. And I was like, whoa, whoa what? Right. And so that really started me to be like this, I don't think is the place for me anymore. When I am getting in trouble or getting pushed to the side for innovating and trying to do right by kids, by the role, by the career I loved, I thought um, this just isn't going the way I had hoped. In the meantime, I had a really toxic dynamic between my boss and the superintendent. And so that just was wearing at me, wearing at me, wearing at me. And when you start to reinvent, here's the thing I noticed. I started my like reinvention, seeing myself differently, right? When we level up and reinvent, we see ourselves differently as the better version of ourselves. And so I started to see myself as the better version. And I went into my boss's office and I said, you know, I just want to let you know, I'm not really comfortable like talking about the things that happen in closed door meetings that I'm not invited to. I don't really, if I don't need that information, that's okay. I was interviewing for some other positions. I was interviewing for the superintendency. I said, listen, I know you're probably going to hear things. Please don't share with me if you hear things from people because, you know, school districts are unanimous for gossiping, right? And those things were not received. They were actually not well received at all. Because what? That's pointing out potentially how other people then might need to level up and change. And so I kind of had created this pressure cooker for myself as I started to level up who I knew I could be. And the organization couldn't sustain that and I couldn't sustain it. Yeah. And I also knew I had been at three school districts and I knew like, it's not really different. And it wasn't about like, let's go to a different district and it'll be different. I knew that wasn't it. And so I, I, um, I, I left, I, I saved up 60 grand. I, I didn't really have a huge plan, except I had my own LLC and I thought I can do something with that. I could consult, I could do something. And, and so I started that process of figuring out who I am mm-hmm. in this world. See, I love that. That's a really interesting moment that you just described where you started to realize through other experiences, this project that you engaged in, that there is another level of yourself out there. Like your best self is still yet to come, but you're starting to step into her. And as you're doing that, you're realizing this organization no longer fits me. Like if the organization was a a jacket, all of a sudden, this is pretty tight. Like this is, I don't fit in this jacket anymore. And this jacket doesn't fit on me. So something has to give. I'm going to tear this jacket apart (laughs) if I keep trying to put it on. And I think that that's really interesting because I could speak to that a little bit from corporate. I felt the same thing. Like for me, that moment was going to Tony Robbins, not Unleash the Power Within, uh, Business Mastery. And it's for entrepreneurs and business owners and all of that. And here I am, like I'm in Vegas at a massive like venue surrounded by 2,500 people who are like just doing incredible things with their own businesses. And when you're in that environment and you're hearing their stories and you're talking to these people in between sessions at dinners, breakfast, whatever, you're just like, whoa, especially if you're coming in from corporate, you're like, this is kind of nuts. And all of a sudden, like you, I felt like I saw another future, another version of myself that I could become. And then, yeah, I felt that. I felt like I was talking to people and, and nobody was getting it. Like, what is the deal? Like, we got to figure this thing out. Or I brought frameworks that I learned from that event, like around marketing and things like that. And I distinctly still remember sharing these things with people, senior leaders and people in my organization. Like, this will help us do this thing. Like, let's figure this out. But I can't answer all of these things because there's different people who specialize. There just wasn't a lot of interest in you. 
I'm like, this is like a best in class tool. I mean, I just got it from this event and, and, you know, people who are pros at this, like just, you know, like they shared and taught us this material. How are we not interested in this? No, like, it's fine. We're good with what we're doing. So I just felt like to your point, I was outgrowing this and just wasn't a fit anymore. So now you're feeling these feelings, you know, what is it that, you know, so I want to step back because you mentioned, all right, so you saved up some money, you made the decision to take the leap, but let's talk a little bit about making that decision going from this is not fitting anymore. Like I'm trying, but I'm outgrowing this org to I'm ready to quit. Can you tell us a little bit about that in-between stage, like getting to the decision? Yeah. So a really pivotal moment that as time goes forward, I keep realizing is even more pivotal than I thought it was at the time. So on January 1st, 2020, my husband and I were walking on the beach. We were on vacation in Mexico over the break and we were walking on the beach and I distinctly heard 18 months and you need to live from spirit first. And you have 18 more months at this job. And it wasn't like I heard it audibly, but I heard it like in my own in my own self, but not Stacy talking to Stacy, right? It was distinct in a way. It was that whisper, I would say. But it was it was enough that I knew live from spirit first. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And I don't know anybody who's doing that. And I don't even, that's like weird. What, what? And so I came home from that vacation and I wrote on my whiteboard 18 months. And I knew I had to like make this plan because I was a planner because when I first started, you'll love this, talk about like, thinking we have these plans. When I first started in education in a straight path, I had built a 20-year plan with the different degrees I would get. Because in education, everything is very hierarchical. There are steps that you take. There are a certain number of hours that you get to excel on your degree. Anyways. And so I knew 18 months seemed, okay, I got time, I got time, I got time started an LLC, just kind of put myself out there. I had, I had won some awards in my technology, educational technology work. And I thought I could maybe play off that a little bit, just get some feelers out there, do some workshops. And then when it was starting to get close, I started feeling, eh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll apply for a superintendency job instead. Maybe I'll, you know, try another space here. And um, the pressure was just too great at that time I really emotionally, I was, you know, like I had mentioned, I went to that boss of mine and she began to gaslight me, use some passive aggressive behavior, send me some emails about reprimands when I had never been reprimanded. I mean, I I hold a very high ethical standard. And and so there was just, I, I sense she was also trying to push me out. And I, maybe I needed that, you know, like I look back now and I think, thank God for the bad boss, right? Yeah. I, at the time, it felt terrible. I mean, I was really confused. And I just remember, I mean, to, to the lowest point where I remember one day sitting on my couch, just looking outside the window. Um, this was January, February, 2021. Now, I, I officially left July 1st of 2021. And I'm looking out the window and I have this feeling for the very first time, I don't want to live. Now, I didn't want to hurt myself. I didn't want to not, I just, I just didn't want to exist. I didn't feel I knew who I was to be worthy of existence. And my husband said to me, do you think we need to go have an evaluation? Like, do you think you need to go have a mental health evaluation? And that like gave me a pause, like, holy beep. 
right? Like, whoa, this is really serious. And I just then said, my health is the most important thing. And then I began to build from, from there. Wow. So I love your metaphor now even more about the, the pot and the pressure building inside that pot. And it's getting to a point where it just can't handle the pressure anymore. And it's got to go somewhere. And that meant quitting. And so, you know, I'm trying to think, how do we turn this into something that our listeners can, can apply going forward, you know, rather than like later <laughs> reflect on it. And with your metaphor, I feel like playing off of that, it's like, what can you do if you know you need to get going to turn up the heat? If you're struggling to make that decision, and I feel like that last story you just shared, that was the heat getting turned up to the max, which meant the pressure was now getting to the point where this thing was about to explode. So something's got to give here and it's time to go. And, you know, I think that's the thing there. Like if, if you're not feeling enough pressure yet to leave, but you know, you have to, like, you've already made the decision like you did. It's just that you keep delaying it, right? You keep delaying it. And to your point, like you said, you know, it was your bad boss is kind of like a blessing in disguise at the end. At the time, it didn't feel so good. But now you reflect and say, wow, thank goodness that she was there because, and, or I was treated this way because this turned up the heat enough that I said, bye, I got to go. And so I think that maybe this is something listeners can take away where they can think about what can they do to turn up the heat? Maybe it's, and in a healthy way, of course. And so maybe that's, you know, go and learn more. Like maybe it's like, uh, and I don't know, I, I want your reactions or thoughts. Maybe you have other ideas, but one that I'll say that I, I could imagine being healthier, of course, is go learn more, right? Go learn so much that you absolutely cannot stay here because you are now performing at a level that's higher than your organization. And you just can't keep doing this. It's like when I shared that example about all these tools I was learning about and nobody was interested in this. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, these are really great tools. And so the more I learned, the more I just said, I can't be here anymore. Like, this is just not my level. Thoughts, comments, other suggestions of what someone can do if they're in that spot where they know they got to go, but for some reason, they just can't say or, or get to that decision point. So interesting because I am such a learner. I have a terminal degree. I think, oh, I'm just going to get another terminal degree. I get like an MBA or a law degree, or, but I'm not going to get another degree and I'm not going to learn more. And here's what I would say to the yin to your yang about learn more. There's two ways we grow. Learning is one, right? And that's why we have the public education system. But the second is experiences, experiencing. And I don't mean the types of experiences that, and maybe it is go, you know, get on a roller coaster or have like some high level excitement experience because then that's offset with this low level disappointment. I am saying for me, what I had to learn to do was how to experience being, being Stacy Gonzalez. What does it mean to live and feel what it is to be me? And in order for me to do that, I had to get really quiet. I had to take myself outside of myself sit down on my meditation mat, figure out some things that how does my mind work? How does my thoughts work? How does the inner workings of Stacey Gonzalez work? How did my feelings work? The reason why, to your point about turning up the heat and the pressure cooker, why that came, I believe to me from an external source was because I was not able to listen in. I probably should have heard five years ago, live from spirit first, right? And whatever that meant, let your soul shine. Get, let that part of you that is unique, that is that spirit, soulful place exist into the world. And um, 
you know, I think that is, if I could say one thing, you know, I've got a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old, and they're going to reinvent multiple times. This generation understands reinvention, and they understand cycles of that. What I don't think they understand is getting to know who they are, getting to know what makes them unique, comparison culture, social media, all that constant makes it really challenging to be different, unique, and find your unique voice. Well, that's really interesting. So the, you know, the, what you just said about the younger generation, they know how to reinvent. Reinvent is like, that's just a tool they already have. However, they don't have that internal compass. So they don't know exactly who they are. So you can reinvent yourself 10 times in the wrong direction, but you wouldn't know until 10 of those have passed. And it's interesting because then that's just like a different version of our generation where, you know, we just did 10 or 20 years in the same organization and then realized that's not who I am either. So it's like 10 or 20 years in 10 organizations or 10 or 20 years in one organization. Either way, we still, so this key that you're bringing up is, I feel like without this, even the skill of reinvention can only take you so far. It can just help you spin your wheels a little faster, perhaps, rather than in one place, you'll spin, you know, different wheels over the course of 10 years. But at the end of the day, if you don't know where you're going and who you really are, which then helps you figure that out, then yeah, that's, that's super powerful. Yeah. And the faster we learn to take our experiences and our cognitive learning and combine those, make meaning, integrate them into ourselves, and then display ourselves, come forward with this like new reinvented version of ourselves. And the faster we learn to do that, that's actually what is the getting to the top. We talked about this before we started. I'm just getting to that best, highest version of myself. And the more I can do that on a daily basis, I'm super emotional. I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm an empath. I feel very, very deeply. And 50% of the population are empaths and 20% are highly sensitive people. And so if you're anywhere within that, like half the people who are probably listening to this on some level, really being able to honor and understand what your sensitivities are showing you, that has been huge for me. I mean, I was, I was in buildings with kids and people all day long with just the, emo, you know, people walking around very triggered, very emotionally traumatized, absorbing all of that. And so I really had to kind of figure out how to center myself. And that's the thing I would hope for our younger people is that they're able to find those ways and able to do that because it's a it's it's not easy out there. Yeah. So what are some suggestions you have maybe that are ideas and we can both like toss in some ideas for how people can tune in to that inner radio station a little bit more? You know, what can we do to learn more about ourselves, like like our true selves? Mm. How can we know our true self? Well, first, I'll start with this. You know your true self. It's always been there with you from the earliest memory. Mm -hmm. So just so that like should give you just confidence. Just the fact that like you don't have to do anything. Now we'll give we'll give some ideas and suggestions mm -hmm. of how we get in touch with that yes. and make that more um, common in our all day everyday moment to moment living. But that's the first thing. Everybody has that. You know, put whatever language you want to put around that light source, God source, energy, whatever words feel right for you. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, what kind of are you curious about? For me, I started using the Calm app. 
And the reason I used the Calm app was I was finding that I was really anxious before I'd have to go into these big meetings and presentation and board meetings, which I had never been before. And they had just like 10 minute, five minute something. And I could like go in my car, play it, and then like go in. And so that was just felt like an easy thing for me. So, you know, some of those types of tools, but when we use those tools and we think those tools are going to be a fix for us, or if I do this, you know, we make it dogmatic. I'm going to do it X amount of times and then I'll... That's that's where kind of those things go wrong. But I'd, I'd certainly say just getting still and quiet mm-hmm. because that's the only way we can start to see from an outside perspective how our mind works, how our thinking works, how we make decisions, how we process is if we have some understanding of that. And if you're constantly going, 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 going busy, how do you have time to understand the inner workings of of your person? Yeah, I like that. I actually recently started using the meditations on the Mind Valley app. So I'm a, mm. I'm a member of Mind Valley University and the app has a section of meditations. I didn't even know. My coach actually mentioned it to me the other day and that I used to have actually. And I thought, you know, and then she goes, actually, you're a member of Mind Valley already. Why don't you just open up that app? And I looked and it was in there. And I started listening to some of those. And so I'm just sharing that. There's so many apps out there for this, which is good news. Like these are all downloadable, easy to access they tend to all have their freemium version. So you'll get a few of these for free and all of that. So for anybody listening, this is all accessible and easy to get on your phones or whatever it might be. I'll add to that. My favorite free app, and I know some people who actually work for them, is called Insight Timer. Mm. And it has the widest array of different teachers from all these different modalities. And so I had never heard of a sound bath before. But there's somebody, you know, a little husband and wife that do this like musical sound bath. You put your headphones on and you're like transported to a different place. So experiences, right? Like taking seriously the different experiences that help us evolve and grow and reinvent into that next level. Yeah. Something I would add to this is another type of experience that has helped me are, I guess, intensity. So getting pushed to your limits but in a, in a good way, in a healthy way, in a way that you're genuinely interested in. So for instance, like I'm thinking about like one of the times that I got to know myself best, and I still think about this, and this was so long ago, was between 2008 and 2010. These were the years that I had, right after I had quit my first corporate job, and I enrolled in a master's in psychology. I enrolled in a part-time MBA. I took on a job at the university where I was doing the part-time MBA. And I started a tutoring business and I even did a little consulting on the side. And it was one of the craziest moments of my life in terms of there was just so much going on every single day. And I still look back at that and think two of the best years of my life. I was being pushed to my limits, but in a way that was so aligned with what mattered to me. I was studying for a master's in psychology that I loved. Every single thing they made me read, almost every single thing. I loved it. I was like, oh my God, this is fascinating. I would actually go and then say, who's the author of this thing? Oh, who's this Carol Dweck lady? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, she's a professor at Stanford. Oh, and she has a book out. Let me check out her book. You know, and the list goes on and on of all these people that I just discovered this way. And I would read all their extra papers, read their books, whatever it was. I was so into it. You know, the MBA was kind of interesting, but overall, probably the definitely the lesser of the two, but it was okay. There were still some cool things about it. It was part-time. 
The job at the university, it was working with students who were in a leadership development program. I ran the day-to-day operations of a of, um, university's leadership development program for student leaders. I love that. That was so cool. It was such a great application of what I was learning in psychology and all of that. And it was just something I had experience in. So I just really had fun. Tutoring business. I love teaching math. I was having a blast doing that. I mean, everything I was doing was just so much fun. And it was like the day started, I think it was at 5 a.m. And I remember I would go to the gym. I was with my first wife at the time. And I remember I had to then drive her. We shared one car in like the suburbs of St. Louis. So there's like no buses or anything. So basically when you share a car there, it's like, wow, super inconvenient. I was a chauffeur and she couldn't drive stick. And even when she tried because she was short, she couldn't reach the pedals very well without sitting like in front of the wheel. And so I had to play chauffeur on top of all those things. But yet those two years as packed as every day was, it was packed in a fulfilling way. But in the process, when I came out of those two years, I felt like, wow, like I know me on a level that I just had never really come to know. Like I'd never pushed myself Mm. to this limit. I saw limits that I saw things at the edge of my whatever capabilities and all of that that I had never seen before because I'd never walked to the edge. I'd never pushed myself that far. And so I feel like that's another way of getting to know yourself is, you know, finding something that really like connects with you and is fulfilling to you, but really pushing yourself in it all the way. I've heard other people talk about context of, you know, like a passion they have, maybe like they like dancing, ballroom dancing. And then they go like deep into like the ballroom dancing world, you know, competitions, they travel on the weekends while they have their day job and they just go nuts on this stuff, but they love it. And, you know, and it's a way of them getting to know themselves. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, two things from what you said. One is you were following your highest passion. And so that's, that's what I like to think of it as, right? Like I have found myself on all, like you, a voracious reader. I find I read something and uh, something else in there. It leads me down another rabbit trail and another rabbit trail. And I follow that passion until I can't get any further with it until I can go no longer. Right now, I am totally, totally into this thing called human design and the gene keys. It is blowing my mind. I'm totally into it. I'm studying every day, you know, and it's probably been a good three, four months and it's increasing. It's not decreasing my passion for it. So it's really important that, because I used to think if I would, because I was always like that, like you said, ballroom dancing, and you're going all in for 20 years. I would think, am I a quitter? Why am I quit? No, I just found a new facet and a new thing to go down that rabbit trail because we're not all going to be the same. I need change and evolution and insights. So that's the first thing from what you said. The second thing is our psyches know exactly what we need. And you'll appreciate this as a, you know, having your degree in psychology. Our psyches know how much we can handle and how much we can take. And so once we get pushed to those edges, we've probably been ignoring for quite some time the patterns or the things that our, you know, best self, high self, however you want to call it, our psyche has been showing us that if you keep these patterns moving, I I found that last year, I really had some anxious attachment issues in relationships, in business relationships. And I had to look back and be like, why is this business relationship happened this way? And why did this happen with this one? And then I was like, it can't be all three of them. There's one variable here. It's me. Time to look in the mirror and say, what is it that I am doing that is creating and perpetuating these types of relationships? And so keeping to, to your point, looking outside ourselves and saying, I see that. 
I'm going to address that. Here's how I'm going to start to make those changes. Working with a coach, you know, yeah. like you said. So these are other things that people can do as they're going through their process of reinvention. Because it's not a one-time event. It is not a one-time event. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, I had one of these moments where I think my pattern was disrupted and I got to see it. Like I, it was at a Tony Robbins event, uh, the Unleash the Power Within event. And at the end of the first day, they have you do the firewalk where they basically have a bed of hot coals and then you walk on them barefoot. And most people at that event have never done something like that. So this ends up being like a pretty new and scary experience. And I started to pick things up about maybe some tendencies that I have when it comes to an experience like that. For instance, I will rationalize that I don't need to do this. Like I can still get a lot of value out of this event without attending that component. In fact, I will go home earlier and I will get more sleep. So tomorrow on day two, I will be better rested so that I could take more notes and learn more. For me, I thought that was a winning argument. I'm like, cool, I'm out of this. I don't have to do this. But going through that experience and actually sitting in the room as he's getting ready to introduce that activity and we're all going to do this. And by the way, by the time we're doing this, when we're out there walking on the hot coals, it's about 1 a.m. or 1.30 a.m. Mm -hmm. So it's a long day. So I could have left at 9, 10, 11 p.m. And I stayed there. And once he starts talking about it, he starts to address some of these things. You might be telling yourself this or rationalizing. You don't need to be here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. And I started to, because I pushed myself in this way, I started to become aware of some of these things that I do, these tendencies that I have that I guess to your point, like they kind of just happen like as patterns in the background. And I don't really think too hard about them. But now I became very aware that, wow, I'm really good at rationalizing myself out of something that could be really great, you know, but it just appears maybe scary up front. And so mm -hmm. I try to rationalize my way out of it. Well, and I love that because you were in this experience where I'd imagine, I've never been to a Tony Robbins experience, but I've been in collective experiences mm -hmm. where the collective energy. I think this is what people, I've never been to a Taylor Swift concert either, but I'd imagine this is what people experience at a Taylor Swift concert, right? Where you have this energetic force. I don't know how to describe it, but when you have people who are coming together with like-minded intentions individually for themselves to prove and show something to themselves and have these other people around them who are going to bear witness for this moment it becomes one of those, you know, like, and you made the choice because I remember reading that either in your book or on a blog post or something, and you made that choice to do it and you talked yourself into it. I think that's, that's something that, you know, I've, <laughs> I've pretty much eliminated most people from my life. I'm in a very interesting place right now where you know, kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier with noticing these attachments to others that I've, that have not, that have been my doing. And so I've kind of really eliminated that. So there's probably one or two ways for people listening, as you think about where you're at in your reinvention journey, one is sometimes you need to eliminate all the noise from your life mm -hmm. and you need to be like, it's me. And I got to show me who I can be. That's yeah. one. But then there's this other side, there comes moments in our reinvention journey where we, we need community and we need people and we need maybe a small group or a couple of trusted a council around us that we can say, hey, I'm going through this. You're going to go through this in your way, in your way, in your way. And let's just kind of like 
hold space for each other when it gets really hard or when we're not sure what's happening or if we don't think we're going to make it or whatever. So there's there's times, I think, in this process, at least that's what I've noticed. I wonder about you, if you've noticed kind of those phases with, with people in your life. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, in, in the book, actually, I have this, the last chapter, instead of making it an acknowledgments section, I actually turned it into a chapter because I thought there was a big idea here. And I called it the guiding angels on my journey to reinvention. And these are the people that played roles and the communities that played a role or held space for me or were there to support me when I was going through a difficult moment. And I could definitely appreciate, you know, going back to what you said earlier about the, oh, the silence. Sometimes we need that silence, right? And that's really important. But focusing in on this community part of it, I, I definitely realized that, wow, like there were so many people, communities, moments that were necessary. In fact, in the book, I actually talked about in one of the earlier chapters how I didn't realize, I guess, how alone I was and how little I knew until I found this community of entrepreneurs, business owners, creatives. And it's when I got involved in the uh, art community in St. Louis. And I was just like, whoa these people are doing really interesting things. In fact, I'll never forget, I met this one couple, husband and wife, retired math teachers or professors, and now they were consulting in math education. They travel around the world, speaking at conferences, helping people innovate in how they design their math programs. And I'm like, what? That is so cool. That's, there's no degree for that. Like you constructed that, you designed that, you were retired, you didn't have to do anything. You could have just said, we retired, that's it. We're done with our careers. But no, you decided, I want to make up a new one. And you made something up. And now you're doing it on your terms whenever you want. You travel the world. This is a cool life. And they were, I think, when I met them, maybe in their 70s. My gosh, so vibrant, so articulate. So I was just like, I'm in awe. Like, I want to be like you guys now. I want to be like you guys now. Like, <laughs> it's not like when I'm 70s. I want to be you guys now. And I was probably like 28, 29 when I was hanging out with them. I couldn't even believe they let me hang out with them. <laughs> I must have been like, like, who is this kid? Like, I could be their grandchild or something. And, and yet they, they invited me to their home, introduced me to wines. Like, I got to know so much about red wine with them. But again, it was this community that I was a part of. And the other dimension of that that I'll share was that I learned so much more about what's possible because I was around people. So yeah, there's the support, the space, and also I feel like the possibilities. Yeah, those possibilities. Are, are endless and there's nothing stopping you. I was either, I don't remember if it was an interview or a podcast or something. And somebody said like, what's your greatest barrier? What's your biggest challenge? I'm like me, I am my number one barrier, right? The areas of my unconscious incompetence. I love that. I can't remember who it is, but that ladder of where we move from unconscious incompetence to we become conscious of our competence. And that is where everybody breaks down. The minute we start to sense and feel, we take those insights from our subconscious and we want to integrate those and we start to take action, it feels really awkward. I mean, think about a baby learning to walk. It's clumsy. It's, it's unsteady. It doesn't feel smooth. You are not in a flow state. And I think the really best creatives, the really best entrepreneurs, the really best business owners learn to look like they are smooth sailing while it is like choppy as hell yeah. underneath the surface. And it is waves 
I mean, that's at least for me, right? I've really like, I don't get overly excited about something good because I'm not going to get overly like dramatic about something disappointing. Just trying to find that middle lane and kind of just staying there because all the stuff is going to come and go. And the faster I can kind of roll through that, the more succinct I'm going to be able to, to keep going. And that's the thing why people take the, I want to leave my career. I'm going to do it. And they do it for three months or six months. And they're like, nope, I'm back. I'm going back. I'm going back. Because the promise takes a while. It does. And you take a while to figure out. And you got to give yourself, like, you know, you got to bake the cake. You can't just, you got to get the right ingredients. You got to figure out what the right ingredients are. You got to get that cake in the oven. You got to see if the first one worked. Maybe not. Change the ingredients. I mean, it takes some time. Yeah, absolutely. You said you're going to be baking for a while. So I feel like a part of that is enjoying the baking process, you know, for now, before you get the cake. I know the cake is the outcome we all want. Of course, we all want that cake. But right now we're on a part of this journey where you're going to be baking for a lot longer than normal. So enjoy the baking. Like it's, it's actually, it could be a lot of fun and it could be something worthwhile, you know, like something really special. Yeah, like because that is the process you get one, let's say you bake the whole cake and what you get one, two, three bites, right? Yeah. Like that's the end. That's the sweet that you, but yeah. like all the other things are all the part of that. And the beauty of this is, and Roger, I know, you know, this once you know, you know, and nobody can take it. Nobody can take it away from you. You know what you have inside. You know what you're made of. Once you kind of get to that point of no return where you've got that ship and you're like, I did way too much work to get to here to like go backwards now. It's going to take me longer to run back. Yep. Absolutely. You know, going back to what you said also about how some people have learned or mastered how to make a choppy journey or whatever might be look really smooth, like everything was smooth sailing. There's this project that I cited in my book called the Dark Horse Project. It's a project that's um, worked on at Harvard. And essentially what they're looking at are careers. And those careers, when they're looking at how people go through their career journeys, what they realized essentially was that what looks like a straight line, if you zoom in, is full of zigzags. And it turns out that Very few people have a straight line journey. I mean, like if you're in medicine, there's a straight line journey there because that path is very well carved out. So there are very clear paths to getting to different places, similar things in probably accounting and some fields. Those are just a handful, right? That's just a few things. And even there, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to stay in those. You might pivot away from medicine. You might pivot away from accounting or law or whatever it might be. But in most things, what this study finds is that no, Most people don't have a straight line career. It's just that when we cover them in the media, when we write books about them, when we all, we do exactly what you just said. We smooth the line out because it's Mm -hmm. an easier story to communicate than communicating one full of zigs and zags. But when they interview these folks, one of the things that they shared is that, okay, but then how did you know the zigs and the zags were going to still more or less move up into the right? Like, how did you know that part? And they don't. And that's the coolest part about this. They, what they shared, which I learned through my own experience, oh my gosh, that's like that has made sense for me. And what they learned from that was that you make one decision at a time, that you make the best decision based on what is in front of you and what you know right now. So for instance, if you're like torn between two jobs, that's okay. Like that's it. That's all you should focus on, those two jobs and evaluate that. That's the moment. And you're going to pick A or B and then pick one. And chances are, whichever one you pick, you're probably going to make it work. 
So you really even can't go wrong in many cases, but go with what feels right. And if you always follow what feels right to you, like truly feels right to you, not what everyone else says needs to feel right. That's how you build what eventually can be portrayed in a book as a very smooth line that goes up into the right, but full of zigs and zags when you zoom in. Oh, yeah, it's, it is. It is getting comfortable with discomfort. It is recognizing that I walk this, I walk this certain path every day and the path changes every day. Right now we're in Chicago. There is a wild snowstorm. Um, there is so much snow. And in the summer, it's beautiful and there's green leaves. But like I walk this path every day and I look around and I notice it changing because it's a reminder that everything is impermanent. So what you're facing right now between these two jobs or the the worrying about should I do this, should I do that? What you know, like you said, follow your what feels the best to you. Um, and if you don't know what feels best, if you're not used to asking yourself, this was me. I dismissed my feelings. I grew up in a family where like go to your room, stop crying. And when you're ready, you can come back out. Right. So like I grew up in a home where our, my feelings weren't really acknowledged. I didn't know what they were. So, you know, some people might need more time to find out does when something's right for you, does it, do you get a, I'm making this up, a, a trickle in your stomach? Do you get a, a ping in your shoulder? I don't know. Whatever it is, really getting to that point where you are the expert on you and the best parts of you and how the best parts of you move you through life to get to, to continually help you evolve to those highest versions of yourself. Because at the end of the day, we need people in their best selves. I go out to the store, you go out to the store. We need society as a whole, culture as a whole, people as a whole in community to be the best versions of themselves. And we don't get to control them, but we do get to do our work. And so when we do our work, we get to help others come along. And I think there's even something just energetically, vibrationally, like even if I don't know these people, even just me committing to doing that work, I think about like the yogis and the, the Buddhist monks right now who are meditating all day, like probably somehow that's helping me, sending that goodwill into the world, right? So mm-hmm. the best we can do for ourselves is do the best for ourselves. You know, that reminds me like this idea, what you just shared about us being at ourselves provides this energy. It reminded me of that Marianne Williamson quote, our deepest fear. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Yes, please read it. Yeah, but I want to read it. I just want to take a moment to read it. I love this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frighten us. We ask ourselves, <laughs> who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. I mean, Mm, like that- Liberation. Right. Like, and I don't know about you, but like the goal for me, I'm 50, you know, the people that I work with, right. They want freedom. We want to live in freedom. We want to be free from, you know, golden handcuffs and right. The corporate America, whatever the freedom is that we're looking for. But then you take freedom in in that quote and you go to liberation where like you're bringing other people with you. It's now liberation is like, I'm not just free. 
but you're free and you could be free. You could, let's all go together. It's, it's so exciting. Yeah. It's, it's really the work. It is the work. So let's, let's talk now about the part of your journey after you quit. So you've been on a journey with its ups and downs to get to where you are today. So start by telling us where you are today. And then that way, I think we can appreciate some of the other parts that you can tell us about the bumps in the road. And essentially what I want you to share with us is I want the audience to be able to walk away with like, wow, this is what it takes to get to where she is today. And even where she is today may not be the ultimate destination and that's fine. But that's what makes, I think, this story even more exciting is that you're still on the journey, but you can speak from it. So where are you yeah. today? What, tell us about your current organization and then tell us a little bit about how you got there. Yeah. So where I'm at currently today, my primary focus is creating really good content um, and attracting the right clients to me that I want to work with, whether it's one-on-one -on -one clients or clients within small to mid-sized remote startup organizations and operations. That, those are my two main areas that I'm really good at. And so I don't have any clients right now. I've, mm -hmm. I've gotten rid of all my clients through 2023, mm -hmm. some of which I mentioned to you, right? Not, I was making, left a lot of money on the table. Um, we talked about this in the, yeah. the pre-show, walking away from money. Um, not only did I do that in my career, walking away from my six-figure salary, but um, last year I had a, a very high paying client and um, it was really tough. And there was just some real challenges of integrity yeah. and honesty. And so that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're paying me millions and millions of dollars, yeah. I can't continue on that, right? And yeah. so, so, so my point being is that I've had to continually trust of how the, the machine, quote unquote, like my own company machine is going to roll and grow for me. And so that still is an area where I am, am still gaining clarity. So what kind of work are you doing then for these clients? So where, where, what are you helping them with? Yeah. So if it's the, the clients within um, their organization, it's operations, it's efficiencies, okay. um, it's individual growth for the collective whole. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's an interesting piece because if you want to grow as an organization, mm -hmm. your people have to grow. Like you and I talked about in our um, experiences, I was in an organization where I was growing, but because the other members of the team and community were not growing, same with you. We could not grow together. I had to leave, right? So I help teams and founders grow in tandem together. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And then one-on-one -on -one individual work with individuals mm -hmm. looking to leave their corporate executive administrative role and mm -hmm. find what's next um, and okay. start that journey. Okay, got it. And so now you're in this place where you're looking to bring in new clients. You're creating a lot of content to help find those clients. So how did you arrive at this, at this being the work, you know, take us from like maybe even the first mm -hmm. months after you quit, because I know that's something a lot of people worry about is like, what am I going to do after I quit? You know, like, and, yeah. and, and, and you mentioned, you know, you had a runway, but that runway was not infinite. So naturally you got to get running. And so normal, I can imagine people thinking, yeah, I, I might have some runway, but what makes me believe that I could do it within the runway? And as I kind of know a little bit, like from your story and also from that of many people that I've interviewed, you know, it's not about our, the finish line of our runway. We just keep extending that runway. <laughs> you know, we keep building more runway is what we do. And so tell us a little bit about the beginning and then kind of how you got here. 
Yeah. So when I first left, I was working in, I was consulting in school districts with school district teams. And what I learned, and again, there are no mistakes. There are no mistakes, only lessons. And what I learned was I didn't like that. I felt, I felt just like I was back in like, I just wasn't on a W-2. I was on a 1099, but it was basically the same thing I had just walked away from. And the same, like the same bureaucratic BS and red tape and ninnying around things and not being able to really like get to layers of truth. And so I'm like, this isn't real innovation. I can't do this. So I I walked away from that. That was disheartening because then I'm like, well, who am I? No, right. Because for me, this reinvention has always felt about identity. And when you, even to now creating content or putting yourself out there, trying to attract your first clients and your first, you know, partners that you want to work with, you have to be really strong and firm and grounded in who you are and what you do and, and all the things like that. And so I think for me, finding out that school districts wasn't it, that felt like another, like, okay, I left my job and then I did this thing and then that didn't work. That was tough. That was tough. And then I you know, worked with some, I'd, I'd have some one-on-one clients here and there. And then I, um, I, I got a job. I, I was, I was struggling. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I just need to get a job like in a, a startup. I really, I, I had done a lot of, and I think that's also you and I had had some overlap there. Like I love this idea of startups, innovation, grittiness, young people, right? Like Let's bring some structure there. And so I was like, I'll work with an ad tech startup. And so I got this job and it was a director of partnerships. And I'm like, this is great. I'm going to use my, you know, educational expertise. And it was sales role. And I couldn't sell. I couldn't sell one damn thing. I sold nothing. I got fired. They fired me. I got fired. For the first time in my life, I got fired. And so I'm like, okay. And I'm saying it like this now, but like at the time, my husband and I would have coffee every Wednesday for whatever reason. We have coffee every morning, but on every Wednesday morning, I would cry. And I had these, I had these 20 pennies because I had to make 20 cold calls a day, 20 cold calls. That was like the extent of it. And I had 20 pennies in one little container and I take one out and put it into the other container. And it was just brutal and demoralizing. And I couldn't make a cold call. Nobody called me back. It was terrible. It was terrible. And so I just, I got fired and that was, that was last, that was almost a year. That was a little over a year ago. And then I went back to the grind again, right? Like showing up, who am I? How do I present? What am I good at? What am I innately gifted and talented at? What do I know? Well, people and processes. That's, that's who I am. That's what I know. I can look at something and I can say, well, this is all messed up because you don't have a process for this and they're doing it like this and you don't have a process for this and they're all confused over here and this is the problem and there's no, and it doesn't take a lot. It just takes some empowering of people and building a guiding coalition. I'm a big, big fan of John Cotter's work. Mm-hmm. And so I I started to build around that with, with startups and small to mid-sized remote teams And so here I am, right? Like looking, waiting, waiting. There's a lot of waiting, I think. I don't know if people talk about that, but there's a lot of waiting when you're building. And so I'm waiting for my next right right clients. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that story, the, the highlights and the lowlights of them equally sharing them. And it's it's the real story of reinvention. 
and I really appreciate this, you know, you were somebody who was, you had an executive leadership role in major school districts, you know, six figure salaries and, and the work you were doing, obviously just like super important with students, all of that stuff. You listened to yourself. You realized that this was not right for you. There were a lot of things that were not right for you in that org. And, you know, obviously the, the leadership that you were working for and all of that, you made this decision to leave. And of course, the natural next step seemed like, okay, I, or at least the low hanging fruit was to consult and just keep doing the same thing. But then you realize, okay, and, and Robert Kiyosaki talks about this in Rich Dad, Poor Dad and in Cashflow Quadrant. He goes, you know, being self-employed is not that different from being employed. The only thing is you now own the client. The, before that your company owned the client, now you own the client. Oh, and by the way, you also have to run HR, you know, this, that, da, 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 all accounting, marketing, finance, like you run all the departments too. That's the only difference, you know, between that. <laughs> so they're, they're very similar. So you realize like, okay, this is not what I wanted either. But of course, like it makes sense, right? It's the low hanging fruit. It's there. People are probably even reaching out to you saying, Hey, can you help me out with yep. this? And you're like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. As I need, a matter of fact. I can, you can help me extend my runway a little bit and, and I need the money right now. But on some level, you know, this is not what you wanted to be doing. You know, you're, you're realizing that this is not what you want to be doing, but it was part of the journey. I would even argue that, Hey, look, maybe it's even something you had to do for a while just to maybe build more runway and, and kind of buy some time, whatever, but it's part of the journey. But what I think is really important for listeners to take away is just how varied that whole story was, you know, you did that, that didn't feel right. You didn't like that anymore. Then you, you know, you thought maybe I'll go get a job and that's like a tough one. Some people who make this decision are like, that equals massive failure. If I went through all this just to end up at another yep. job, but you opened that up as a possibility and you looked at it differently. See, I think you took an opportunity to say, but how can I make this time different? Well, let me work for a smaller organization, you know, and you put yourself in a sales role on top of that, where you had never done sales in that way. So now you're doing sales, you're at a startup, very different style of organization, very different leadership, you know, all these things happening very differently. And you know, you learned a big lesson there as well, you know, and, and that was part of it. And you failed there. You got fired. And I think that is the reality of like most reinvention stories. I mean, they paid me. It, I was making $120,000 a year was my salary. Mm -hmm. They paid me to learn. I felt guilty about that. Like there was a part <laughs> of me that felt bad. But there was also, don't get me wrong. Here's the other thing I learned. I was like, holy cow, the leadership, this place is jacked up. Like I was so, I was like, what, what? And then when I went back and I rewound the tape and I was like, oh, well, that was a red flag in the interview I missed. There's a new pattern. That was something that I should have asked and I didn't know. That's a new lesson, right? Yeah. They're all just, now I don't go into things. Don't get me wrong. I didn't walk into that. I had bought myself a bracelet. I was like, when I make my first sale, I'm going to get to wear this bracelet that I like have as my reward. I mean, I cried every day because it was, I couldn't do it. You know? So like, I look back now and I think I learned about startups. The company was acquired. So I learned about acquisitions. I learned a lot that I can take now into companies, but man, my heart hurt a lot. Yeah during that time. But you came out of that. And that's like the important thing. And I, and, and you came out of that and you're okay. Like you're figuring out the next step. And I think that's the thing. Like when we look at these moments from, you know, when we're looking ahead at these moments, we think I can't survive a firing that stain on my record. I'm like, 
I, you know what I tell people is usually what record? Like, is there really yeah. a record <laughs> out there that we can all see? There's no, uh, is there's it, no the, principal's office like, in the real world. Yeah, there's no ultimate, <laughs> yeah. like it's no, it's the ultimate LinkedIn that has all of your good and bad marks. Like they're all on it. It's like, no, there isn't. Yeah. You decide what goes on LinkedIn. Nobody has to know that you got fired 10 times. I, it doesn't really matter. But, but we look at these moments and we fear them to death. So of course, would most people take a, if you're scared of that, you know, it's harder to take that opportunity and take such a leap of faith and say, I'm going to try sales at a startup when I have done nothing related to this. I've worked at highly complex and hierarchical organizations with a lot of bureaucracy in an administrative role, not one where I had to like cold call people and get <laughs> convince them to do something that maybe right now they don't want to do. So that they could well, see granted, that, oh, it's a good I, thing. I did think I was coming in as like a thought leader and like going to be doing like conferences and speaking. No, cold calls. Like things cold change. Calls. We need to do cold calls. Okay. There we go. So, you know, <sighs> and, and then and then now you're like, okay, cool. I'm moving in this new direction. I, and, and this clarity that you have in terms of, wait a minute, people and processes. Like, this is my thing. Like, and it doesn't have to be for educational organizations anymore. It could be for anybody that you want to give, that you want to support in this way. But now you're getting closer to something. And the only way we can get closer to these things is by going through that journey you went through, by trying, you know, self-employed, doing the same work. Nope, that doesn't feel right. Trying a new job, boop, got fired. That didn't work out. Probably a bunch of little projects and, you know, experiments in between all of that and during that, that also didn't pan out. And here you are like, hey, look, let's try this. But you know what? This feels more aligned than anything I've tried before so far. So every attempt you take feels a little bit more aligned. And that is what I love about your story, because that's really the key. That's for all reinvention. And that's why we have to keep moving. We have to go through these failures, successes. It doesn't really matter because each one of them gets us closer to better clarity. Each time the clarity gets a little bit better. Ooh, how did I not mm. see this? There was no way you could have seen this like three years ago impossible you yes. can't you could not have seen what you saw now so now you're leaning into this and you're going to give this the best chance that you can and and that's where you are today and and i love it because you know the story is to be continued i'm going to have you back on the podcast you know maybe in a year or so and then we're going to like hear about like how did the last year go and you're going to tell us like a crazy story that has who knows what twists and turns in it but you're going to be in a place that the one thing i do know guaranteed on the next interview that we do together is that you're going to have more clarity you're going to tell me something mm -hmm. about people and processes that's even more refined. You're like, ooh, I just niched that down even more. Oh, this is my sweet spot. This is, watch, in three years, I'm going to be the master of this area. Like, everyone's going to know me for this thing. But that takes attempts. Like, we got to get it out there. Time. We got to experiment, test, and all of that. And your story is a perfect testament to that. Thank you. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate I'm, it. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for everything you're doing. I... I'm so glad that we got to do this interview because people need to hear this story. People need to hear that this is what it looks like. This is what it really looks like. This is, I mean, you know, I'll interview you in 10 years when, you know, you're doing something massive and big and all of that. And you may not remember this moment the same way. And so you'll kind of like give me the highlights and get us quickly caught up on 10 years. But this version of the story is where most people are right now who are in a spot where they're thinking about taking a leap maybe taking a chance on themselves, maybe getting to know themselves better and they're scared or they don't know what might come. And your story, I feel like is just so empowering and I'm so excited for you. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing all of this. This is part one of many parts as we continue to check in. 
I, I'm so glad that this is also our catching up too, <laughs> because yeah, we haven't caught up. Perfectly. It's, it's been a minute since we caught up. So this kind of serves as our catch up. Although I didn't get to tell you too much about what I'm up to, but we'll do that on another call for sure. We'll definitely do that. But Stacey, thank you so much uh, for those listening in. You know, if you want to connect with Stacey, follow her on LinkedIn. She's building out a lot of really great content. I follow it. I see it all the time. It's really great. And so make sure to follow her on LinkedIn. I believe that's your main platform, right? That you're focused on. So yeah, so all the links will be there. So you'll be able to follow her. And of course, reach out if you are someone who needs help with people and processes, or if you are an executive or a leader at an organization and you're looking to make that massive leap and leave that world behind, well, Stacey's the person that you want to talk to. She can help you through that. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of the School of Reinvention podcast. Again, I'm your host, Roger Osorio. If you're ready to start your journey to reinvention and want to walk the path with others, visit www.rogerosorio.com and go to the School of Reinvention to check out for yourself how a community-based coaching platform can help you begin your next reinvention. You can also go to rogerosorio.com to purchase my new book, The Journey to Reinvention, and receive some exciting bonuses. Until next time, make your day great.